close this entire series out. We have talked about over and over again that this word wait, we can assign this idea to the word wait if we're not careful of inaction. I'm just sitting here still waiting on something to happen, waiting on the Lord to move. Well, I could stop you right there because God has already moved. We are not waiting on him to move. He has moved. He's moved and Jesus moved and completed a work. When he stretched out his arms, when he said it is finished, he was finished. He completed the work. So if we have an idea that we're waiting on God to move in our lives by inaction, sitting still, that is an inaccurate idea of the word. That word in the original language is the word kavah, and its main definition is to entwine, to wrap something around something else, like two pieces of yarn wrapping around each other. Lisa talked about the second definition of that same word that means to look forward, hopefully, to look forward expectantly. So we have talked about in our waiting season, in the seasons of life when we're waiting on seeing the hand of God, uh, or we're waiting on seeing what he has called us to do. He's given us vision. We're waiting to see it happen. We're in the meantime. Waiting means to wrap our heart around the heart of the Father. Lisa talked about wrapping our mind around hope and looking forward expectantly. Today, I want to talk about how, and I want to give some examples of how we see people in the Bible use their waiting seasons to wrap their thoughts around the thoughts of God. Because we can see some great examples in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, and the same God that they served is the exact same God that you serve. And if that happened for them, it will happen for you. We just, that, that's why we have this. We have this, it's the word of God, we gotta hide it in our heart, but also we read these stories, and, and man, put yourself in these stories. I heard Andrew Womack say one time, that he was believing the Lord that he would see a dead person raised from the dead. And he couldn't picture it in his mind, so he started reading the Bible, and he read every story of resurrection in the Bible. And in every story, he put himself in it. So when Jesus laid across the young man and he came back, he saw himself doing that. When they threw the, the bones of Elijah in the tomb and, and the guy, he even saw that. Every time someone, he saw it happening. And then six months after he started this process, his son, died. And six hours after his son died, he went to the morgue. If you've never heard this story, you're going to be like, I don't believe it, but look it up. Uh, you'll hear him talking about it. He goes to the morgue and they open the drawer and they say, is this your son? He goes, yes, we're going to go eat pizza now. He sat up in the morgue with the toe tag on. They had to get his clothes. They put his clothes back on. He walked out and they went bowling. It was a miracle, but he saw it for six months in his mind before he saw it in the natural. And there are times God is leading you in your thought life. And he's saying, this is your time to hone in on the things I'm showing you. And it's not for no reason. It's because the time is coming and it's closer than ever. And you got to be prepared. You have to be prepared. And it has less to do about preparation outside in this natural world than it has to do with preparation up here in your thought life. Amen. Right? That is where it needs to happen. Because if you can see something here, you'll see it here. I mean, that's true just of our actual physical actions. My hand can't move around like this unless my brain tells it to. That is why I don't think about it. I'm not having a conscious thought to move my hand, but my brain is sending a signal to my body and I'm moving my hand. That's how 
every action works. And when we want to see our outside actions line up with who God says we are, not who the devil says we are, it starts here in our thoughts. That's a word for some of us. Some of you have even said this lately. I don't know why I'm doing the things I do. I don't know why I'm making these bad choices. I don't know why. It's not even an attack so much from the devil as much as it is what you're dwelling on. It's your thought life. It's you. Take the blame and stop blaming God. Honestly, wouldn't you rather just be the one to blame than God is to blame? Because if God is to blame, that means he's not who he says he is. And if he's not who he says he is, what is all this even worth? I would rather me be at fault than God be at fault. I don't know about y'all. I'd rather me be the one that's not perfect. And I'm more than willing to say it. I'm not perfect. Don't tell Lisa. She's with the kids. I'm positive that my wife is under the impression that I'm just perfect and I don't make mistakes. I'm positive. There's no way she thinks anything other than that. If you don't want to take my word for this, though, take the Holy Spirit's word for it. Take God's word. Every scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, Old Testament, New Testament. And in Proverbs, King Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 23, 7. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It starts in your thoughts. Well, I can't control my thoughts. That is a lie. You can control your thoughts, especially believers. One of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, self-control, is resident on the inside of you. You have self-control. You're just not using it. It's like you're saying you can't pay your bills, but you have plenty of money in the bank. You're just not doing it. You're just not writing the check. You're just not logging in and paying it. You have the cash flow. Why not pay it? Forget, avoid those late fees, right? Pay it ahead. Go ahead and send Duke Power a little extra money this month and just watch your bill go down next month. That's, I don't, I'm just talking now. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus is talking. And he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, brood of vipers. I love that he, well, well, that's another message. Brood of vipers, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Jesus himself, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. So many people fall into the trap of changing the outside. If I get the outside in line, then everything else will fall into place. Let me get everything out here in order, then all will be right. Stop in your tracks. Get the inside right and watch the outside line up. Get the inside right. How many times did you get things already in order on the outside and you feel pretty good? And within a year or so, you're falling to the same stuff and you're back in the same situation. It's because for whatever reason, you got some inspiration and, and you got some things in order on the outside, but nothing changed here. And if it did change here for a season, you fell back into the same way of thinking. This is something I've seen over and over. I can't tell you how many people I've seen get set free from religion, sitting in my office or in our church crying, saying, I have always my entire life felt like God throws me out of his presence when I make mistakes. I thought my sin, even as a believer, separated me from the love of God. There's times I felt unloved because I know I messed up today and God's not even hearing my prayers. And now I know the truth that there's no height or depth that can separate me from his love, that even on my worst day, he's with me just as much as he was on my best day. 
that I'm his child no matter what. And then within a few months, I don't know what they start listening to or if they fall back into old habits, but they're back to that same guilt and condemnation that held them down months before. And that's a killer. Guilt and condemnation will keep you down. I've seen people get set free and fall right back into it. You have to keep your mind in that place. This is what Paul said in Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. So let's end the debate right now if you're wondering in your mind. Well, I don't have control of my thoughts. You do. Jesus said, as you think in your heart, right. And Paul right here says, fix your thoughts. In other words, you make a decision. You fix your thoughts. You do it on things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Okay, we know God is with us all the time, so he's not saying that God is away from you and then he's with you. No, he's specifically talking about the blessing of peace that comes along with relationship with the Lord, that when you fix your thoughts on these good things, that peace that he brings, because he is the God of peace, will be resident on the outside in your thought life. So stop praying for peace and just fix your thoughts on what is peaceful. When your thoughts are fixed on, on anything other than what is good, holy, honorable, right, true, there's a good chance you're not experiencing that peace that has been bought and paid for you. The thing is, it sounds pretty happy-go-lucky, right? That verse, it sounds like, okay, well, Paul is just a happy-go-lucky person. Paul was in prison as he wrote that. In, in a 2,000-year-ago prison. I mean, it was dark. It was damp. There was other prisoners. And not only that, he was arrested. And this is the time he was arrested. And 40 Pharisees came to the prison and made a bold statement. They said, we're not going to eat or drink anything else until you kill that man, they told the Rome. So happy-go-lucky Paul was literally in prison with 40 leaders outside saying, we're not taking another bite. They were on a hunger strike until Paul was killed. When was the last time you had 40 people praying and fasting for your murder? Right? And that's just one of the many, many, many trials that Paul went through, including a shipwreck, which we'll talk about next week. Well, not even just one, three shipwrecks. You've been in three vessels that started going down. Whew. I was in a plane once in the Philippines flying from Manila to some little city like a few hours away and we're in the air and the pilot made an announcement in a language I didn't speak and I said what was that about and our interpreter said oh no, no problem they're just going to cut the power to the plane off for a while to save you know gas and electricity and I said wait what all of a sudden all the lights in the plane went out we're in the middle of a thunderstorm with lightning all around us and we glided I guess I don't know how it works in a plane for like an hour and a half I didn't feel very safe or secure and uh, it was it was a little uh, it was a little freaky it never started going down or anything but it was a little freaky Paul went through three shipwrecks he was not Mr. Happy-go-lucky Paul this is coming from a place where Paul had two choices he can focus on everything that's going on around him he can focus on the mess he can focus on the 40 people on a hunger strike until he's murdered 
He could focus on the lack of food on, on his stomach that was probably starving and growling. He could focus on his situation or he had a choice to fix his thoughts on what is good, true, honorable, right, and what the Lord says about him. I mean, is there a better choice? What else is he going to do? He's locked up in chains. I mean, there's times we are in a very similar situation. You might not be locked in a prison, but there are times you feel chained by your circumstances. You feel like you're stuck. You feel like there's no other way for you to do this thing. You've tried everything. You have a choice. Keep fixing your thoughts on everything that didn't go your way. Keep fixing your thoughts on everything around you or fix your thoughts on what is, let's read it again, true. What is true? The word of God. Honorable. What is honorable? Who he says you are. In my own flesh, I've made some non-honorable decisions, but that's not what God sees in me. Love sees the best in others. Let's focus on what God sees in me and not me or what anybody else sees, on what is right, on what is pure, on what is lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've received and eventually he comes around to. Then the God of peace will be with you. It is up to you to fix your thoughts on those things in the waiting season and wrap your thoughts around those thoughts. And if it's not just, th sometimes when we think of thinking, when, when I'm saying this, I don't know, my, my, my mind used to just go to words. Like, okay, I'll think about what the word says. I'll think about the books of the Bible. I'll think about this or that. But you know, use your imagination beyond just words and things like that. Get pictures in your mind of what God says about you, of who he says you are. That is, it's actually very scriptural. Paul, again, in Ephesians 1.18 writes about the power of our imagination. You've heard this verse from me specifically, if you've been here for any length of time, but I'm gonna read it here just to catch anybody else up. Ephesians 1.18, Paul says, the eyes of your understanding. That is a phrase they translated the best they could. Our best modern translation of that phrase would be imagination. The eyes of your understanding, what you see in your mind, your imagination being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. So enlighten your imagination with the hope of his calling. What has he called you to do? Who has he said you are? What has he said about you? And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint. In other words, when your imagination is filled up with who he says you are, what he says about you, where he's called you to go, the hope the hope found in that calling will rise up on the inside of you. And why is that important? Hebrews 12, 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. When hope sparks in your mind, that faith that is resident on the inside of you sees the light at the end of the tunnel and says, that's where we're going. And your faith begins to lead the way to those things you've hoped for. And it takes those hopes on the inside and makes them have substance. Another, another way of saying those things that are true on the inside will become true on the outside. So, you know, Paul knew this verse. In fact, he wrote it where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom as he begins to see on the imagination himself free from those chains. Eventually, he did see himself free from those chains and then he got locked up again and then he saw himself free from those chains and he kept just getting free every time. And even the saints that gave their life and died in chains saw freedom in the end, just like we will, no matter what happens down here, we will all experience freedom eventually. 
But don't wait until then. Experience that freedom right here in the land of the living by fixing your thoughts on God's thoughts. My friend Julie always says this, and I love it every time she says, I cannot afford to think thoughts about myself that God doesn't think about me. And let me say that to you. You can't afford to think thoughts about yourself that God doesn't think about you. And we just had a whole conference about the thoughts God thinks about you. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts, the plans I have for you, declares the Lord's thoughts to give you a hope and a future. And then the one that's been on my heart so much for the last few months in the King James, it says an expected end. The expected end that God has for your time here on earth is not the expected end that the doctors say you'll have. It's not the expected end that anybody else in your family had or anything based on physical, hereditary things. Thinking on these good things in our imagination leads us to freedom. God speaks in pictures all the time. Why don't we use our imagination to see them? When he told Abraham, you'll be the father of many nations, he didn't leave it at that. He said, look down, you see the sand, that's how many kids. Look up, you see the stars, that's how many kids. Literal light at the end of the tunnel. When he walked outside at night, he remembered the word God gave him. When he saw the sand in the day, he remembered Joseph was given dreams. God didn't just say, your brothers will bow down to you and you'll be the savior of your nation. You'll be the, you'll be the one that rescues your family from the famine. No, he gave him a picture, multiple dreams that he probably thought about for a long time because he was in prison for a while. But you know, even when he was in prison, he was blessed. When he was in Potiphar's house as a slave, he ended up running the house. When he was in prison as a prisoner, he ended up running the prison. And then eventually he was brought to power and ran the whole country and became the second most power and, and did see the thing that God put in his heart in the natural because hope and faith work together and faith gives that hope substance. See the things God has called you to see. What has he called you to be? What has he shown you? Lisa had a word up here for, for, for families. She said, if you're believing for kids, well, I, I don't even remember right now what she was singing. What was she singing? For those yet to come. Man, if you're believing for a family, if you're believing for children, see it. Don't be afraid to see it. Go ahead and walk into the room you have for them. You have the extra room at your house and start seeing it. See the walls decorated with whatever it is, trains or, or princess stuff or whatever. See it in your mind. Enjoy it and don't be afraid of it. We don't have a God that builds your hopes up to let you down. I know you've thought that over and over. I don't want to get my hopes up because then I'll be let down. I know we have, we have all these sad images in our head because of movies and entertainment where, where the person gets all built up just to be let down. And we, we enjoy for some reason seeing the drama involved and people win Oscars for roles that are so sad and things like that. But that is not your life as a believer. God has given you the things in your heart because he wants you to see them. So get your hopes up. Walk into that room and say, this is where the crib's gonna be. Why not? If you're expecting, we think of being pregnant, I'm expecting. Well, before you get pregnant right here, I'm just saying you gotta get a little pregnant up here. There's gotta be a moment when you're like, hmm, I feel like getting a little pregnant right now. And then you go get pregnant. It starts up here. I'm just saying. That's, we could leave it at that. The kids are gone. But even physical pregnancy starts with a thought, a decision. I'm 
that's it for that one. So that's where that starts. But there's no better example of how we see the word come to life in our life. It starts as a thought every time. Like a seed, that thought has to take residence. And then there is a season of expectancy. And then you see it in the natural. And you rejoice and you celebrate. And hopefully that's not when the rejoicing and celebration starts. Because when it becomes just as real to you before you see it in the natural, then you are right on the edge of seeing it real, real, real in the natural. In your waiting season, wrap your thoughts around what the Lord says about you, about the dreams he's put in your heart. Use your imagination like never before. Man, I, I, I was so excited about this next part of my message, but I'm going to wait till next week. I'm going to read Psalm 54, and you can read it yourself this week if you want. And I, I got one more thing to say for the message, but here's a little preface to what we're going to talk about next week. In Psalm 54, just like Paul writing from the prison, think about these good things, rejoice in the Lord always, that we didn't even read that verse. He wrote that from the prison cell as well. And then eventually he wrote, fix your thoughts on these things, what is good, honorable. Just like that, David is in a cave when he wrote Psalm 54. And he is hiding from Saul, a father figure in his life, the king of Israel, who is outside of the cave with an army ready to kill David. And David writes Psalm 54. And you can see within the words of Psalm 54, this entire progression. You can see where David starts. You can hear when his tone changes as he begins to imagine himself in the shadow of the wings of the Most High. And then you can follow the tone as he's getting a little bit excited about what he's about to see in the natural, God taking his enemies out. And then you can just see him move to celebration and rejoicing and ultimately worship and in the end of that psalm, he's not even talking about the enemies outside of the cave. Just go ahead and read that for yourself. We're going to talk about it a little more next week. The last thing I want to say about today is if anything about this whole using your imagination thing makes you feel weird, let me tell you, you already do it. The negative version of that is called worry. That's all worry is. You are picturing the most negative outcome in your imagination, and it keeps you up at night. So you're already doing this. You're already doing the enemy's version of using your imagination. If you're a worrier or if you worry at night or any time, that's the negative version. Just picture what God says about it. And just like Paul, that's not just happy-go-lucky. It's not just like it's all going to work out. Let's play the glad game. That's what my mom loves from Pollyanna, the old movie that, I mean, most of the people in the room weren't even born when Pollyanna came out, but she played the glad game. Some things in Pollyanna's life did not go the way she planned, but she always played the glad game, and she made the whole town happy in the end. Well, it's not just empty playing the glad game. When you have the word hidden in your heart, you're not just saying positive things. You're saying what the word says. 
When my body says, I'm not feeling good, I'm sick, it's not just happy-go-lucky to say I'm healed. It is it. That's all you do. But when you're saying it because the word says you're healed and you believe it and you know it and you mean it, and instead of just saying it to put a smile on your face, you're saying it. When I'm saying it, I'm looking at my body and I'm saying, you maybe don't know this right now, but the Bible says you're healed. Because the real me is not the me right here that you see in the mirror, that I see in the mirror that you see. The real me is this on the inside of me, the part of me that is bought, redeemed, paid with a price, bought with a price, my spirit. This body's gonna lay in the ground and decay one day. My spirit will live on. And the Bible even says I'll have a new body one day for that spirit, and so will you. So when I look in the mirror, my body is saying one thing from my spirit. I'm looking at it and I'm saying, no, 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 this is not who you are. You are healed by the stripes of Jesus. When my mind is saying, there is some fear and anxiety facing me, my mind is saying, yeah, listen to it. Listen to that fear. Listen to that anxiety. Lock yourself away in the room for a while. Go to the safe place. Do that. Go to the safe place. Then I rise up and I say, here's my safe place in the shadow of the Most High, in the shelter of His wings. I am redeemed. There's a hedge of protection around me and my family. It's not just empty words. It's the Word. And when I know it's the word, those words aren't just empty. My faith begins to be built up because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We already rehearse the negative outcomes, some reason naturally. We talk about them. What if this happens? What if that happens? I'm not saying we shouldn't be prepared. But when our mind is only dwelling on those things, when our mind is only saying, what if I die in this prison? Then the book of Philippians doesn't get written. Because instead of Paul sitting there thinking, what if I die in this prison? He thought, I will remember right now those things that are good, holy, true. I'm not a prisoner, but wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And the Spirit of the Lord is right here with me right now. That's probably what he was thinking about. We do get a glimpse into what he was thinking about as well uh, a little bit later. So next week, we're going to talk about Psalm 54. And then we're going to talk about another time when Paul was in prison and what he had up here in his imagination that helped him get free and experience the freedom of the Lord in the middle of those chains. But use your mind, your thoughts, your imagination to wrap your thought life, your imagination around what God says about you, who he says you are, and you will see so much victory because it's got to start here before you see it out here. You've got to have a, a change up here. That is why Romans 12, 2 Paul says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's an expiration date on our thoughts here in the natural world. We might think good things today and we're feeling happy. Well, those good thoughts, they expire and we got to have them again tomorrow. And if we don't, then the negative is going to say, well, I'll take this moment and I'll pop my head up again and get you worried again. No, fix your thoughts on the things of God. Amen? Come on. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. Thank you, Jesus, for this morning. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that you are the one who gives, who gave substance to these words. It's not just emptiness, but you gave substance to us, to who we are. We're not just picturing positive things when we picture ourselves in victory and living a life above and not below. No, we're picturing ourselves the way you told us we could live and we're expectant. 
I'm expectant. We are a church that is above and not below the head and not the tail. Winners, not losers. Lenders and not borrowers. I believe that. And not even just the church, Freedom Church Gastonia, the church as a whole. The church as a whole. And, and, and Father, we know right here, this is our, our city, this is our community. So I know we can start right here, but I thank you that the church of Jesus as a whole will begin to see themselves. We will begin to see ourselves the way you see us with no exceptions. Thank you, Father, that as it starts in our minds, we will see it in the natural. There is no doubt in my mind. I thank you that faith gives substance to the things we hope for. And I thank you that as we get our hopes up, as we get them way up, we will begin to see the substance. We'll get to see those hopes brought to life in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's respond with a few moments of worship. And then after, I'm going to have our prayer ministers come up so that you can get some agreement on anything you need prayer about before you go today. But yeah, let's just respond with worship right now. Let's just turn our hearts, our affection, our thoughts. Let's fix them on who God is and what he's done even right now this morning.